Hello and welcome back to another episode of 52 and 52, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. Today we're going to be talking about Solo, a Star Wars movie, the newest uh, movie from Disney in the Star Wars franchise. We're joined by our friend Fred, who's been on a couple podcasts with us before. Fred, how's it going, man? Hey guys, doing well. How about you? Doing okay. Doing good. I'm a little doing sick. Okay. I'm, a little, I'm a little sick, but I'm 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 marching through this one. All right. I'm still a little jet lagged from my trip to Germany, but yes. I'm slowly getting there. Yeah, same. Nice. Been, up since, been up since five o'clock this morning. <laughs> so hopefully, I sleep better tonight. Yeah. yeah so since, Fre- since, since Fred and I are both recovering from big trips, that means you're going to have to do all the breakdowns of Star Wars and everything, Anthony, all on your own, and talk about how great the franchise is. So yeah, it sounds <laughs> my Disney shell today. So. Um, anyway, so uh, I, I guess just to start, my expectation, I thought this movie was going to be really bad because the trailers were all really bad, and I don't really like Star Wars in general. Um, if you listen to our other podcasts before, basically, I think we've podcast. This is Force this is Awakens, the, the fourth Return one. To Last Jedi, Rogue One. Um, Rogue One is one of my least favorite movies I've watched in the last like ten years. <laughs> um, I like Force Awakens and Last Jedi was not very good. Um, anyway, so that was my expectation, Fred. I don't know what your expectation was. I know you're a bigger Star Wars fan than I am. Did you like it? What did you think? Yeah. So just because this is my first time talking to you guys about um, a Star Wars movie, I just want to very briefly touch upon what my experience with the franchise is. Yeah. So. I was one of those people who threw a gigantic fit five, six years ago when Disney acquired the rights (laughs) and announced that the expanded universe would become obsolete because I've spent the better part of my childhood reading several dozens of Star Wars books in the expanded universe. Um, A lot of them said after episode six, some of them said during the Clone Wars. Um, So my Star Wars literature was all over the place. And when I found out that all the time I invested into that, would basically now be pointless. Um, <laughs> I was pretty annoyed. Um, I mean, I get why they did that, but sure. simultaneously, they built such a rich universe that um, it was kind of a shame that all of that went out the window. Well, so let me ask you um, then, if, I mean, th- they kind of announced, I guess, they were going to build on the, the first two trilogies, but did you have a different feeling when you found out they were going to then take it in this direction with like standalone movies and, or origin movies and things like that? See, that I really liked, actually, because... One of the bigger problems in the new trilogy is that it's always being tied back to the Skywalker family. And it seems like the entire galaxy far, far away just revolves around their lives. Mm-hmm. So just this idea that there are also other people inhabiting this universe and that they go about their day-to-day, day-to-day business, um, I thought that was kind of a refreshing take on it, actually. And a lot of smaller supporting characters got really fleshed out roles in the Star Wars books over the years. So I thought it would be pretty fascinating, actually, to see um, just more time periods being covered uh, with different characters than just the Jedi and the Sith right. over and over again. Sure. And there was also a lot of literature on young Han Solo, actually, out there. But the problem is a lot of that was released before the prequel trilogy came out. So when the writers tackled that subject material, they didn't really know what actually happened before episode four. All they really knew was that there was a Clone War at some point. Um, but the big like, concepts that the prequel trilogy created, like Order 66, how exactly Anakin uh, had his downfall and became Darth Vader, 
Sure. Uh, none of that had been established yet. So a lot of these books that came out about young Han Solo and young Lando Calrissian were really weird, actually, <laughs> and didn't really tie into um, how we know Star Wars today. So I kind of appreciated that they had a chance to sort of rewrite that history with this movie um, that just came out. So do you think that they did a hmm. like, good job? I think, yeah, I actually really loved it. I had a great time. Um, like you said already, the trailers didn't look extremely promising. Um, I also don't think they did a very good job conveying what the movie would actually be about. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really clarified what the story would be and how exactly Han would be involved. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's his movie, but they never really made clear what his goal was going to be in this movie. Was it just going to be him hopping around the universe sure. on adventures, or was this going to be a very specific story with a very specific end goal? Um, and I thought they did a very good job incorporating that. And also, I didn't mind the fan service, right? There was a lot of stuff uh, in there where they touched on things that had been mentioned in the original trilogy, uh, the Kessel Run in 12 Parsecs. Um, we see how he met Chewbacca. And I actually really like those things. It's nice to finally be able to put uh, scenes with those stories and... It's just fun to see these characters in action again. Yeah, I'll say that it's still building off of Anthony's original question about expectations. Uh, I I think I mostly avoided the trailers because I I have a very love-hate relationship with trailers these days, and for some reason I just decided not to watch this one. So that wasn't what worried me. What worried me was everything that went on behind the scenes of this movie, which was like a really huge story, how like uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller got kicked off after they filmed 90% of the movie as directors. Uh, There were other things that came out that said Alden Ehrenreich was so bad at acting on the movie that they had to hire an acting coach for him. So when you do that stuff combined with having to reshoot a ton of the movie – um and well and then the other thing was like a, like a big thing what I was kind of like worried about was that originally the the Voss character was going to be played by Michael Kenneth Williams and that he he couldn't do the which I I would have loved I'm a big fan of his and then it's he couldn't do the reshoots so they're just like all right we're going to bring in Paul Bettany who I like fine but I was just like I love Michael Kenneth Williams now you're literally recasting another character in this thing this seems kind of weird so given all that plus just like the general knock okay reviews that it got i guess i my expectations were fairly low as well and i'd say i was i don't want to say i like really love the movie but like i i I definitely liked it a lot more than i like rogue one and i guess there's a big middle ground for that between something like that (laughs) force awakens and i'd say it lands there for me i don't what about you anthony where did you kind of come down um i didn't like it but i i didn't hate it like like it wasn't uh, offensively bad like rogue one was to me <laughs> i just i to me there wasn't really any it, it just seemed like this is the kind of movie and and this is the same thing i kind of said in rogue one like they have the chance to sort of take a little bit of a risk and sort of tell us different kinds of stories and and they sort of you mentioned fan service earlier there was a lot less fan service than uh rogue one and it was much more subtle i think but it was which, – which was fine. Of course they're going to have that in there. I just – to me, there wasn't really an uh, – the arc of like – there was like – I don't really know that anybody had a, a character arc in the movie. Like Han is who he is the whole time and like the only thing he learns is like Han shoots first and it's like I, – I, I don't know. It just – like it was just kind of boring to me. I wasn't really interested in the story. And then like for me, something like I, I would have – 
probably rather seen like the story about Woody Harrelson and Tan- Danny Newton and the other dude and their little like uh, ceiling shit and all that stuff instead of like Han Solo because he he like it was just a weird like it, it just sort of felt like forced and bland to me. And I'd know. say talking about those people, I'd say that like and I agree like I, they could have done more with them and I'd say that they were I don't even think they did well with them. Well, I, I still really. think I still think they were more interesting characters than people we got in Rogue One and that I wanted sure. to see more of them is like shows that like yes there could have been more there. But I think what you said about a lack of arcs is is probably true because because the Beckett Beckett's double cross at the end just comes out of nowhere, so we don't really actually know what's going on with him at all. And same with Kira, they keep like mentioning, "Oh, you, you need to tell us what happened to you the last three years. When are we going to talk about what happened with you the last three years? I want to know what happened about you yeah. the last three years." And then all of a sudden, we just see her turn at the end, which, to be honest, I was actually happy about because as soon as I like saw that she was going to play the love interest, I just assumed she was going to be the love interest and she was going to die because we know that like. That's not someone that Han Solo ends up with. So I just kept expecting yeah, she's her. Not to die. In episode four. Yeah. yeah. So I just yeah. I kept expecting her to die. And I was like, throughout the movie, I was just like waiting for her to I was expecting her to die at some point. And then it's like it's either she dies or she's actually a bad guy. And she's like, Oh, she's actually a bad guy, but I don't know if they necessarily set it up as well as I would have liked, but I was at least happy that was the choice they made. It was unexpected. Sure. I, I think Anthony, to be honest, um, I think you kind of shortchanged Han's character arc a little bit when you said it's just about him turning into the guy who shoots first. Well, I, I just don't think because I don't that's, think he... that's really not how he starts out, right? In fact, there were a lot of parallels um, between him early on in this movie and Luke Skywalker early on in Episode Four. He wants to become a pilot. He's still idealistic. He wants to get out of the shithole where he grew up in. And I thought that was kind of interesting that he started off in the same spot that Luke did, and that makes the early scenes in Episode Four where they interact a lot more interesting. Because maybe Han even recognizes himself in Luke Skywalker and wants him to become a little bit more realistic about the universe dealing you a bad hand sometimes. Sure. I, I get what you're saying. I, I guess here's here's sort of where I'm at, right? We 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 start the movie and we're sort of like thrown into this scene with him and Kira, right? And that's literally the only scene we get of them. Until they meet in in like Vision's house or party <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, and so it, it just so like to me like they should have maybe started earlier or given us more time with them on Corellia to like actually see them interacting because we literally get one scene and then it's like oh my god I have to go back and save this person right and that's like an hour of the movie of him being like, I need to save this person and then she just randomly shows up and it's like off balance. Uh, in terms of like, at least for me, I'm like, oh, she's just here, and it's just like, ca- it's casual on both sides, and it's like, that's not the impression that the story gave us or that the character gave us. I just don't think that they gave us enough, like at the beginning, because the pacing seemed a little rushed between where they wanted to go with like the stealing the hyperfuel and everything, and him sort of joining the the bandits or whatever you want to call them, um, and. I- I don't necessarily know that I would – I don't necessarily think I would say he was idealistic either because he's sort of just like – he's already like talking about how he's been stealing stuff since he was 10, stealing ships and flying ships. And then like he willingly joins the the Woody Harrelson and them to just like steal stuff and he doesn't care, right? And then at the – and then even at the end, he's like, I'm not going to – they like ask him to join the rebellion basically and he's like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Like to me, it was just – he just was – being selfish, not in like a negative way, but just like doing things for him. But it doesn't really take him anywhere as a character in the film. 
to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I understand. And I think part of the problem is, and I think you'll always have that with characters that you know very well, is you already have a very certain idea in your head of how sure. they should act. Um, sure, I totally that was, get that. Yeah, and that was kind of the nice thing, I think, in Solo as opposed to Rogue One, which I liked a lot better than you two did. But <laughs> I will say the movie got, I'm not going to say worse on repeated watches, but I definitely start to see some of the issues. A lot of the supporting characters are not fleshed out at all, to put it mildly. Yeah. And I don't even think everybody, the main character is fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, not even the main character is true. Um, but in Solo, a Star Wars story, you can take shortcuts because sure. we kind of know who Han Solo is. We have a good idea who Chewbacca is. We have seen Lando often enough to know that he's a bit of a scoundrel and a cheat. Yeah. Um, so you don't really need to develop those characters. And I thought they started out at just enough of a different place in the beginning mm -hmm. as to where they were at the end. Um, that I thought that was satisfactory. It wasn't great, but... But then again, I, when do you have when do you have amazing character development in a Star Wars movie? That's but really okay, okay, this is this is the crux of my argument with Sky that we argue about all the time. My argument is why is it okay that we can say, well, we don't we don't need the this actually actually good storytelling in a Star Wars movie or actually good character arcs? Like, what? Why? I we've talked about movie. We talked about Annihilation, right? And we talked about like the character development in that and. And like sort of the story and how it progressed and how we really liked it. Right. And it was really interesting and everything. And I just feel like they by letting someone like Ron Howard do the movie, it just sort of they're just being they're OK with it, like not being they're not they don't want to take a risk. Right. And to me, that's sort of the problem is I, I want for me as someone who doesn't even like Star Wars that much, they shouldn't they should try to make a movie that I can love, too. Instead of just like, oh, you guys know Han Solo, we're going to do this story, and then you'll be like, yeah, it was that was good. It wasn't, like, great, right? Yeah, he also wasn't necessarily the greatest character to make a main character in this one. Um, just because he's such an established force already sure. in the Star Wars universe. That, sure. Sure, there are always new things to find out about him, but there are other characters that could have which been is, fleshed Which out is instead. the other argument, right, is why can't they tell new stories in the universe without having to rely on Han Solo or Lando and reuse these people that we've already seen. Cause like the other part of it is as everyone always says, like Harrison Ford is so iconic in the role that it's hard for anyone to then play Han Solo. And then, cause you're going to compare the two no matter what. And it's like Aiden Ehrenrich isn't Harrison Ford or, you know? And so it's hard to, I don't know. It's hard to sort of like Aiden Ehrenrich. <laughs> I don't know. It's Alden. Alden. Sorry. Alden Ehrenrich. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cares. <laughs> to tour, tis, if it were so simple. My bad. Yeah, but, but see, that's the thing. I mean, in all seriousness, I had a lot of issues with Hail Caesar, but I thought he was very funny in that one. Yeah, he's the actually, best part. Yeah, by far the best part, actually. So I don't think he's a bad actor. I don't think he's bad in this movie. I just think he. Has he's the very bland, though. He's right? a little bland. That's fine, but he has also he has the the ungrateful task of playing a character that sure. was arguably the comic relief in the original trilogy. Oh, sure, I mean, Han Solo was funny. He was witty. This was sure. somebody you enjoyed having in a scene. Sure. And obviously, if you're trying to compete with that kind of shadow, yeah. you're bound to fall short. Which is partially also why I think they put Lando in this movie because he mm -hmm. was the funny guy. Did you guys like him? 
John uh, Glover, you mean? Yeah, like this performance by Glover as Lando. Yeah. I wish he had been in it a little more. I didn't think his role was particularly consequential, to be honest with you. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, I thought his performance was good. I thought the accent went in and out, and it kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, oh. But... I, I, th- I mean, I thought I thought it was I thought he was fun. I just I, I think I had a little higher expectations for him. Uh, I just kind of I think part of that my my, my part of that might have just been me reading too much about the performance in the last couple of weeks. And a lot of the people that got to see early screens were like he's getting his own spinoff movie. He needs a new spinoff movie. Oh my god, it's by far the best part of the movie. And I definitely didn't think it was like quite on that level. But I still like enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he seemed like he was having fun to me, and yeah. more so than like the rest of the movie was having fun. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say, yeah, what'd you say? Go ahead, go ahead. I actually made a fun, funny comment about that. Did you guys see the uh, Saturday Night Lights skit uh, where he was? Um, oh, that was hilarious. The one, the, yeah, was, the, 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 like the black convention in space. The black oh, convention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And she said, "Yeah, I thought that SNL was supposed to be a parody of the Lando character, right? <laughs> but Lando acts exactly the same in that skit as he does in the movie. And there's two black people in the whole movie, and one of them <laughs> dies right away. So it's like." I mean, you know, they want to talk about diversity and everything, but... Hey, Rogue One was diverse. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that is not true. But sorry, I dropped you. Um, yeah, I just... So, like, I didn't really... It's it just one of those things where I feel like the either the story or the acting needs to, like, transcend or rise above this, like... You know, because, like, we know he's not going to die. We know they're going to complete the mission, whatever. And it's like... I want to be interested in it, and I want a reason to be invested in it. And I don't think they really gave me a reason to be outside of it being this is a Han Solo story. Did you enjoy the action scenes? No, I don't think okay. I like. They were boring. So I really, I, I, I really, I really liked it. Like, I actually really liked the train scene. I thought it felt pr- pretty unique for mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie in a di- way that a lot of other action scenes don't, where it's just the ships flying around and shooting at each other. It felt like it was a little more intricate and and different to look at. I, I, given what I didn't really know a ton about the Kessel Run, I knew it was a fairly notorious thing that's alluded to in other parts of Star Wars that, like Fred mentioned. But given that everything I heard about it, I, that that scene actually did really did not do a ton for me. And I thought it didn't look. I, didn't, I don't think the planet actually like Kessel looked that great either. It was just I don't know that whole sequence didn't do a ton for me. But I I did really appreciate the train scene at least um, for whatever that's worth. Man. Yeah, and I thought that was also kind of creative because you can argue about how well Ron Howard did this, but the movie was very clearly meant to be a sort of space western. Sure. And the whole train robbery scene, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a parody of your typical train robbery scene in your conventional John Ford western, but that was definitely part of contributing to that genre. And I kind of like that idea. That I didn't even know there were, I didn't even know there were trains in this universe. That was kind of Well, that's the yeah, thing, right? It's like why are the why is the empire transferring things by train when they have spaceships? It's so stupid. It's <laughs> a fair point. I was Besides the on, point. This looks novel. Yeah. But the like, scene looked good. It really looked good. I, I thought it was a ton of fun to watch. Like I th- like to me that scene I, I feel like it could have been so much better. Oh. That's like I don't know. Like I know I'm being critical, and I'm always critical about these movies, probably more so than I should be. But like I, I'm just thinking about Snowpiercer and Breaking Bad and oh, these sure. other like train scenes, right. and it's just like I don't know. I just feel like the other thing is I didn't feel like I was invested in the outcome of it as much as I should have been to that point because I feel like they rushed the pace of when that actually happens in the movie. 
Like he, he talks to them for five minutes and then they have one scene around a fire and then they're doing this, this scene. Right. And then, you know, Danny Newton sacrifices herself and it's like, yeah, I was going to say that's the one good thing about the more invested in that. If we got more time with her and, and Beckett. Well, because they also don't, I think that's a really good point that you make about just the pacing to that point, because when she sacrifices herself, we still don't exactly, they've still kind of hidden the ball from us on exactly why this stuff is so important to them. So it's like, at that point, it's not even a given that they're going to get away with it. Well, they were going to die if they didn't get it. That was the thing, right? Either she was going to die if they lost it or like they were all going to die if they lost it. Or if she sacrificed herself, she thought the rest of them could live because they would get it and they would be able to pay vision back. Right, that was the sort of. But I mean, like, they were crux. They, they were eventually able to talk themselves out of that anyway. So it's like yeah, which makes the sacrifice <laughs> in vain but, and like. But on top of know. that, so there's that like where it's like, did she really need to do it? It didn't. I didn't seem totally worth it to me at the time, even before we realized they could talk their way out of it because we hadn't spent a ton of time learning everything that went into their why they were in that position in the first place. But then we could have we see her and we see her and Woody kiss around the campfire, but he gets over her death really quick. And it's like maybe yeah. we would have maybe we would have been more sad even if he wasn't if we had just spent more time with him. <laughs> it felt like it should have been a bigger deal than it was. He like he punches Han in the yeah. face, and then like five minutes later, they're just like, "All right, we're gonna go try and get out of this pickle." And that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Woody Harrelson character was a little strange, right? Because he's a very right. good actor, and he has that very calming presence, and he's a good actor, and he's fun to have around. But you're right. I didn't feel like a lot of development went into that character. He was just sort of there the entire time. I thought his character um, in War of the Planet of the Apes was actually a lot better, as crazy as that dude yeah, was. 100%, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. I don't know. That's just like – that's just sort of where I'm like they didn't – I just don't think they inv- – because the movie is like two hours and 15 minutes. And I just, I just think that they didn't invest enough time into – the, the character development because it's 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 dissimilar from Rogue One in the fact that Rogue One part of the reason why I really didn't like it is because it it's telling this in between story but it's so like we know the ending and it's just like this big it, like it has such uh, galactic consequences basically right it's Death Star all over again whatever whatever this movie. Much more uh, of a kind of movie I think they should do with the standalone ones. With it's just like a smaller scale with the hyperfuel stuff that wasn't anything important in the other Star Wars movies. It's just like this thing they're trying to steal. Like that's cool, right? Yeah. And I just think that they, th- I just don't think that they gave us enough time with the interesting things, and they sort of just glossed over some of the other things and like made it like generic action movie kind of thing like i really didn't think the action scenes were all that interesting um but i i don't know like i i feel like i like the last jedi action stuff better and i didn't i didn't really like that movie but i thought the action stuff was better than in this one well there weren't that many action scenes to begin with there's the there's the kessel run sure. and then there's the train thing and then the i mean the, the, the it's a big set piece when they're trying to first fly out of Ke- subsequently trying to fly out of Kessel and mm-hmm. then there's the like there's the, like the the fight at the end in Voss's quarters and there's, there's also that opening chase on Corellia when yeah. they fly yeah, yeah but as far as like actual as far as actual yeah. combat 
like between sure. a couple characters is sure. it's actually fairly limited or or I mean, I guess part of Star Wars is chase scenes, but like you're still having people shooting back and forth at each other in the train yeah. scene, whereas like the 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 thing at the beginning on Corellia and um, other there's a couple other scenes where it's just people flying away, which I guess we've seen before. So I I think there's more ways to make combat scenes themselves a little more distinctive, and it's it'd be fair to say that like it didn't even try a ton of it, and if and if you didn't like the two that it had, then it really didn't do much for you at all, understandably. <sighs> Yeah, the the one other thing that I, I so the only thing I've read about the movie or um, watched was the Red Letter Media review, and they the, the first thing I actually talked about Sky after the movie was about like the um, the coloring. It just was so dark uh, to me. Like the the it just seemed like the movie was like lacking color and it was like shot really dark. And that's actually like one of the things that they talked about on. Um, Red Letter Media uh, podcast, and it was like felt very did gray. You guys notice that felt very gray, like, but like yeah. it wasn't even dark in like a DC trash dark way. It was just it almost seemed like uh, they didn't like, like poorly done, not not even like intentionally oh. grim or whatever. I'm not sure if that was uh, accidental. I'm sure that they tried to make it a little bit gloomier, um, just to try and tie it back into their. Uh, notion of making it a crime slash western movie um it didn't bother me i noticed it initially and then it just kind i just kind of got used to it yeah um but yeah i i know i noticed the those visuals as well yeah i saw because i saw like a super cut of a bunch of like actual scenes for the movie and they were like really really dark and when i was like watching the super cut as opposed to when i'm sitting in the movie like you know trying to listen to the story and er- everything like that. I didn't notice it as much, but like, I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed really, really, uh, dark. Um, and it, it, it just didn't seem as visually like appealing as even like last Jedi when they're on the, 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 the salt planet and they have like, like that whole thing was so cool. That red um, pops. Yeah, yeah. The red pops and everything. And then they have the, the lightsaber battle with, uh, with Ray and Kylo with like the different colors and everything. That was super cool. And all the armor in the, in there, um, I just don't. Re- I don't think this movie really had a lot of that, did it? I don't know. No, and like in the scenes when they're going into wherever it is that Lando's hanging out and playing cards, like that place mm-hmm. is all very monochromatic yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it just didn't yeah. seem like it had a lot of life to it, mm-hmm. which is like it just goes back to what Fred said right at the beginning of the podcast: is there's so many other people in the Star Wars universe besides the Skywalkers, and. We like when you go to the like the little bars and hangouts where Lando is. That's a chance to spice it up and like show this whole different side of things. And they just yeah. it just seemed like we're gonna keep it generic alien, generic disfigured people, whatever. Raber and the Force, yeah. Raber and the Force Awakens when they go to track down Maz, that planet is actually like yeah. they're going to a cantina there. That's like the, probably the most colorful sequence of that movie. Yeah, and they right. they made, did something different there. But what I think they were also trying to do is. Um, they were trying to make things a bit more gloomy because the whole idea is that you're diving into the criminal underworld in this universe. And to an extent, I think that is something they're also going to do with the Boba Fett movie that was announced. So Mm -hmm. I think that they're going to repeat themselves, which isn't necessarily ideal. But I kind of like that they tried to explain that aspect of the universe a little bit to us because I never quite understood how the Empire, which had such a tight grip, on everything that was going on, allowed criminals to run rampant and yeah. these um, sure. or, and organized crime to flourish yeah. on certain planets. Yeah. And the simple answer is that a lot 
as in any bureaucracy, the middle management gets greedy. They make their deals on the side with those criminals. And as a result, on certain planets that nobody really gives a shit about, um, people like Jabba the Hutt um, sure. or the guy that Paul Bettany plays, whose name I already forgot. <laughs> Dryden um, Voss. Dryden Voss. Yeah, thank you. Um, they can make a lot of money. And I think it's kind of interesting to find out a little bit more about that because obviously Jabba is a big presence in the original trilogy, at least yeah. by name. He only shows up in one movie. Um, but now we kind of understand um, how these big organized crime syndicates actually came around and what role they played in the early days of the Empire. Uh, and I'll, I'll say that I, I agree it could have been more colorful, but like to a certain extent, I like Fred was saying, like because of what they were trying to do and I respected it, like I did like seeing some of it. Like in the first chase sequence, I was like, wow, this does look different than like anything I've seen in Star Wars before. So it's like, yeah. all right, cool. Give me some it's cool. It's a it's a very different setting. I if you had try told me to imagine another one of the planets when I was watching any prior movie, I don't know if I would have dreamed up anything quite like this. It sure. felt like a regular industrial city. Uh, yeah. so that was kind of cool, but it's like you could still definitely mix it up after that. Like there's room well, for there's room for that and other stuff. Like I totally, I totally get it. My, my whole thing is it's not okay to like just be different to like make a point because the beginning it makes sense. Like, and I actually liked it, the visuals because it was like this industrial place where he feels like he's trapped and he can't get out and he's been living there trying to like, you know, do these little crimes right so he could make enough money and buy a ship and get out whatever right and it makes sense that that's sort of like very gray and very dark. Um, but it's I just don't Dickens in space essentially. Yeah, sure. I just think that it, it has to have a purpose because the, the, the story itself isn't like doom and gloom necessarily. It's just like, cause it, it just seems like weird because he's Fred mentioned earlier, like console is kind of the comic relief guy and you want to have fun too. So it's just like a hard, I think it's just a hard balance for them, but I just think that they should be able to do better. That's all, really. Where does that's really all my Star Wars takes come down to in a, in a sentence? I was going to ask uh, you guys where did uh, in in the whole scope of all the different droids we've had in the Star Wars universe or robots, where did L, what, what do you think of L three? She wasn't good. Oh, I thought she was funny. I just think it's kind of interesting <laughs> that they keep going back to the droids as the breakout characters <laughs> of these movies. You had BB eight yeah. in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and then you had that droid. Draw it in Rogue One. K2, was, K2SO. Oh. K2SO. Wow, you're good, actually. I would not have remembered that. Because um, Alan Tudyk he, was the voice. That's how I remember. Yeah, he keeps making his sarcastic remarks. Um, I think it's kind of strange that this pattern emerged. I thought she was fun, wasn't around long enough to really register as much as she could have. But, yeah, I laughed. I probably laughed when uh, the one – I laughed. I mean, I don't know if I was like I – mean, I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge who did the voice because she – I. She had a show Fleabag that was really funny last year, and I guess she had a new show that just came out that she wrote. And I saw I like mm-hmm. her as a person and as an actress, and so I was kind of like excited she did for Killing her. Eve, right? Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I'm actually like yeah. starting it tonight or tomorrow probably. But uh, so it was really exciting when she got to get involved in something like this. And I, I don't know if it was I would say it like did a ton for me. I kind of laughed when she was like when you were seeing Kira react to her talking about how she thought that um, Lando had feelings for her. And there's a whole other issue. That's a whole other thing where they've been talking about Lando's sexuality a lot. And I didn't really think about it a lot during the movie, but that's that was just another issue that had come up a lot. But I laughed a lot when when someone's like when Lando in an offhand way said what do you need and she said equal rights like that was actually like, <laughs> that, that, that but it's be, like why is she saying that to the only black character in the movie though that was like well we don't stupid. know we don't we don't know how much racism there is in the Star Wars universe <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 I guess Lando is also the kind of playboy character and 
I'm sure you can read into him being a little bit of a sexist too. So it's kind of fun that he's being paired up with the equal rights co-pilot here. Um, sure. I thought there was a certain irony uh, that I appreciated. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I didn't love the droid, to be honest. I just thought it was a little a little over the top for me. But Are we doing spoilers here? Oh, yes. I think I, I, feel, like, I, feel, like I, I feel like I already spoilers, said spoilers yeah. like three minutes in. Yeah. So say, okay, so right, go, well, go, wherever, go wherever you want to go, Fred. All right, so the big twist at the end, right? Um, sure. Yes. Let me, let, me ask you, let me ask you first how you felt about it. I wish, because of the twist, I wish that we had more of a story of the actual like crime syndicate stuff in their history and how that like ties to the Sith or whatever, because she's obviously working for them. Um, and then it just, I liked it. I just don't, I mean, it, it ties into where the story, the Star Wars story in the films goes after, but I, it, it sort of was like, man, like that could have been cool if we even had more of that like side of the, uh, world, I guess. No, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it would have been cool to have it set up a little more and get a little bit more of a sense of what Kira went through to get to that point. Uh, I guess it's not as much of a twist yeah. then. It's not as much of a twist if you do know that background and they wanted it to be a twist. So that's just what they did. But I mean, yeah. uh, I, I think it doesn't it, even. Uh, yeah, I guess it is a twist. I don't know. I guess it would. I don't know. If it's, I don't know if it's a twist. It's just like kind of a, or it's almost more of like a out of nowhere cameo than like a twist. Yeah. A twist, a twist <laughs> sure. implies they're setting you up for something yeah. else specifically. Yeah. When you, yeah, when you don't exactly. actually know, when yeah. you don't actually know who's yeah. going to show up. Yeah. That's true. What did you think, Fred? So I will say that the reveal itself is fine. Um, yeah. There's a long and very proud history in the expanded universe of resurrecting characters. Sure. Um, Palpatine, for example, created a whole army of clones for himself. Yeah, and yeah. he comes back after episode six. Uh, Boba Fett, he crawls out of the Sarlacc um, after igniting his jetpack. So he has a long, illustrious career after episode six. Um, so the fact that Darth Maul is back, I don't have a problem with that per se. My issue is that I really appreciated Solo as a crime movie, as something a bit different. And now I'm kind of annoyed that at the very end, they had to tie it back to this big, all-encompassing conflict between good and evil and the Sith are involved again. Yeah. And that kind of struck a wrong note for me. I also really didn't need him to ignite his lightsaber. That was to so off. cringy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, fine. Like, anybody who didn't get it by that point, it's... <laughs> I mean, he has a red face, he has his black like, face, he has golden that's... spikes on his head. Like, it's very obviously Darth Maul, right? That's the thing, right? Is they don't do subtlety very well in no, this they don't. universe. They don't, and that bothered me. I mean, it's... I think it's great that they brought him back into the actual live-action movies. Sure. Um, because if you don't follow the TV series at all, which a lot of people don't... Um, this would have totally come out of nowhere for you. And to bring back a one-off character from a movie that a lot of people like to pretend doesn't even exist, <laughs> that's kind of gutsy, in all honesty. And apparently Ron, Ron Howard fought really hard for Darth Maul to be included in this. Mm -hmm. um, so kudos to him, I guess. Um, yeah. I think that was the right call to make. I just wish they would have handled the reveal a little bit more gracefully. Gracefully is a good word for it. Yeah. yeah, that that made me cringe. The the what should we call you? Well, I don't have anyone. Han Solo thing. What made me cringe? And then him telling Chewbacca that that name is too long. You need a nickname. Was yeah. was one of the worst lines in Star Wars. I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't laugh that um, much. Of that. I still laugh at all the stuff with Chewie. Like, I don't know why. I just, I just have a soft spot for I actually it. think they did really well with their chemistry was yeah. was probably my favorite part of the movie. Did you see the yeah. story? Did you see the E60 story where, like, he's played by, like, a former Penn State basketball player? That no, was I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's like a, he's the guy that play, the guy that wears the suit. I guess Peter Mayhew still does the voice. But mm-hmm. the guy that wears the suit is, like, a 31-year-old former Finnish transfer basketball student player at Penn State who then just went huh. back to Finland and decided to become an actor. And I don't remember. Yeah. I, I watched the story, like when I woke up at like six o'clock in the morning, unfortunately in Vegas the other day. So I don't remember all the specifics all that well, but I, but like, I just, I just thought it was kind of an interesting story where they had all the different cast members talking about this seven foot one Finnish former college basketball player. That's wearing that's the Chewbacca funny. suit. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it and I thought their, their chemistry was pretty good. And it was, I, I don't know. I, I just laugh at like looking at Chewie whenever anyone says anything to him and then he just, he moves his head or something. Like it's just like a really easy way to get me to laugh. It's not, not that they're, having it's not a high degree of difficulty for them so i don't want to give them too much props but it was like kind of a weak spot i had for the during the movie um yeah uh do you guys have anything else because i only had one other really thing i wanted to talk about but uh not really it's a little more disconnected from the part of the movie but i mean fred was there anything else you wanted to touch on i mean nothing we can can do like a final thought at the end we can give like a final thought at the end but i i kind of i was very curious about just alden ehrenreich himself because i think me as someone that hasn't watched these movies in a while, I might not have the closest relationship with the Harrison Ford version of this performance, and so I'm not one to really necessarily comment on how well he captured that essence of Han Solo. Even it's more just like how much I just bought him as just like a actor in this movie, and I was I'd say I came away pretty mixed on him. I don't know where exactly we kind of touched on her earlier, Anthony. I don't really know where you were mm-hmm. on him or or Fred, but I, I kind of want I, I kind of wanted to run through some of the other white dudes that got mentioned as people that auditioned for the role and see what you guys would have thought they would have how they would have fit in as opposed to him i don't know how you guys Go feel about it. that the back when this stuff got announced like a couple years ago like i think the the two ones that like the, the two ones that probably jumped out to me the most when they were initially auditioning people were one miles teller and two ansel elgort i don't know what you uh-huh. how, how you thought either of them would have done in this role compared to him because um when i there's like a list of like 12 different guys and a few more who I want to say, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious. There's, there's those two, and then there's Dave Franco, uh, who I love, but I don't think it would have worked. There's oh. uh, Jack Rayner, who I, f- I don't know. I mean, he's really awesome oh. in Sing Street. I like he's Jack kind of fun, Rayner. Kind of yeah. fun. Kind, kind of, I, I don't think he – I really think he's like a very stout-looking fellow. I don't know if I would have just bought him physically as Han Solo. Uh, uh-huh. Scott Eastwood who I don't think I've ever seen in anything besides the last Fast 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 8 movie, and he was whatever. Uh, Logan Lerman, who I love, but I don't think has ever really done a comedy. What did he do with Percy Jackson, right? Uh, Perks of being a wallflower, too. Uh Yeah. And uh, Fury uh, movie Indignation that came out a couple years ago. Is he in Stuck in Love, too? He is. Yeah, I remember he's like the best part of it. Yeah. Uh, All right. uh, And uh, Emery Cohen, who you might know from Brooklyn. Uh, if you saw that, uh-huh. I don't know if you guys saw that movie, uh, and he was in uh, Place Beyond the Pines, uh, mm-hmm. and Blake Jenner, uh, Everybody Wants Some, and like Age of Seventeen. Oh yeah, there's, okay. Uh, there's Rami Malek, who I mean, no, definitely they wouldn't give it to a they, they, they wouldn't give it to a non-white person, but apparently they let him audition, so yeah. uh, that's interesting. And um, shoot, I had another one in my head that now I'm forgetting. I had it pulled up on another page. But do any of those jump out to you as guys that you were like? Oh yeah, he could. Oh, Nick Robinson was the other one who auditioned. I think Ansel could have done it. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. I think the writing it, it would need to be catered more to whoever they picked, even more than than anything. I don't really but know how you write I, for Ansel, Eric, but 
like I don't think Miles Teller could have done it. Just not because he can't act. I just don't think it would fit with the role to me. But he doesn't have. I I I, I feel like the shape of his head to me is kind of like and his hair and his haircut in some movies is actually kind of similar to Harrison Ford. But I I, I feel okay. like he has such a distinct voice. I don't really know if it would work. Uh, it would just be kind of odd. But I, I like Ald, Alden was probably the one that I came not Alden. Um, Ansel was probably the one I came down on the most. Like I feel like he has like the wit and the. The, and the and the look and he can do some yeah. of the physical stuff pretty well. I I, I don't want to like shit on Alden Ehrenreich, but there were moments where I thought it was I didn't I, if if I had known any of this stuff before I wouldn't come out of it thinking oh you need an acting coach you're so bad at acting. Uh-huh. But there were like a few moments where I was just like I, I wasn't totally buying his performance, and uh, and that's why I was just kind of curious. It didn't like ruin the movie for me or anything like that. But I was just kind of curious like if you're if if, if you're the the, the person playing Han Solo in Solo, in theory, could be a good enough actor to like elevate the movie to another level, which is why I thought it'd be curious just to kind of throw all those names out there and see if you guys had any reaction to any of them. Yeah, no, I, no, no the funny the thing is, like, I talked to my dad on the phone yesterday, and Harrison Ford is his favorite actor, actually. Um, <laughs> So the Star Wars and Indiana Jones movies were like the Bible in our household when I grew up. Um, And he liked the movie, but he thought, um, and I have to translate this from German, (laughs) he thought that uh, Alden Ehrenreich's performance was just a little bit too cute and adorable almost. Like he wasn't the tough, hard-edged guy that Harrison Ford is. And all of those names you mentioned, I mean, Ansel Elgort, sure, he has the wit. He might even have the looks. But Harrison Ford is just kind of the typical 1970s, 1980s. Like, you're talking about like the machismo the kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. which doesn't really fly anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it would have been difficult for any performer to really emulate that performance. And there's also an interesting comparison here because in the 90s, George Lucas made this TV show called The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, um, where they also cast a young guy as... Um, Indiana Jones, so he had to compete against Harrison Ford, and it was the exact same problem, that it's just really tough for a young guy to emulate that world weariness and that cynicism that Han Solo portrays. So I'm not convinced that anybody could have done the job flawlessly, which is why I think, again, Han Solo as a young character was not the ideal choice for a movie. but Well, or, I mean, yep. this movie actually hasn't done that well at the box office, even if it's like Rogue One made like a billion dollars, and this is going to be like yeah. lucky to make like 300 million. So, yeah. I, but I still say it sounds like there's still a good chance you're going to get more of them. So that's kind of where I thought we'd end it, is just saying, even if it maybe wasn't the best choice, if you given the iconic nature of this character, if we're going to go off and do more of these, uh, I'd say, I mean... I was going to ask at first, like, where do you want it to go? But I guess it does kind of set up pretty clearly, like, where it's going to go. So do you have any other expectations beyond um, – for what you want from another solo movie beyond him um, now having to kind of go head-to-head with Kira and deal with whoever's there along with Darth Maul? Like, is there a way in which that movie is – is there a most interesting version of that movie you'd be hoping to see is what I would ask you guys. Let me ask a quick follow-up question to tie into that. What does the next movie need to do better to be more appealing to audiences? Because clearly this isn't working. Do better take, with, a, risk, take well, a risk. And do, and do a better job in, of making some other secondary characters that we don't know that we care about. Because like Anthony said at the beginning of the podcast, they didn't do a lot with those other people on the, the, 
in the gang or whatever you want to call them. And I think there's an inherent limit to prequels, or I know this isn't exactly a prequel, but to movies that come before others we already seen where it's like, we know that Han's going to be okay, so we really need to care about, and we know Lando's going to be okay for most of these movies, so you, we need to care about these movies and really be worried when you're going to put them in peril, and that's, and that's or when you kill one of them off. So I think it'd really help if they somehow re- created a bunch of new characters that were like really, really um, engaging and made you care about them. That'd be like my number one thing. I just think they need to to try to not tell like retreaded stories thematically and everything because like we get it and I don't know what else. Um, um, the last three I haven't liked. So, uh, I'm probably not the best person to ask since I'm <laughs> not the biggest star Wars fan. I don't know. I don't really need to see another Han Solo movie with Alden Aaron Reich. And it's really not his fault, but I think his story has been told. But now that they have set up this sort of tangential storyline with the crime syndicate, and we now know that Darth Maul is a factor here, um, they can continue that story without him. There are other characters who are alive in between episode three and episode four who can sort of carry on the torch now and interact with Darth Maul and his syndicate, because I assume that it's a very powerful organization that is involved in a lot of different things. Mm. So... Now that they're setting up their big franchise, they don't really need to rely on specific main characters. So if they don't want to take that risk again of doing badly with another Han Solo movie, they might want to actually try and shift the storyline onto another protagonist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I would be cool with. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't think they'll, I don't think they would do it without like a moneymaker in the, in like the main like fold of their marketing. So I don't know. That's that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah. But then again, Rogue One didn't have that main character either, who was previously known, and it still made a lot of money. So maybe you really don't need these. Well, well I, it was, I, I, I think it was also stupid for them to do it Memorial Day weekend. I think it's such a better time to release movies around Christmas because, like, you're just, like— Oh, yeah. Hang, like, or I guess a couple of those other Star Wars movies were, like, December 16th releases, and no one's traveling— right before they travel for Christmas. So, like, you may as well go to the movies. But, like, you travel... People travel for Memorial Day. You were out of town, Fred. I was out of town. People yeah. travel, like, when the weather's good. And I, I, saw, I, saw, I saw someone else make the point when the economy's good. I hadn't even been thinking about it in those terms. <laughs> but, like, I guess people feel like the economy's doing fine now, so they're more likely to travel. But it's just it's more of a weekend when you travel, whereas if you do it around Christmas then like people are home with their families it's, i mean it, it, I, it's a stereotype but it's a stereotype for a reason the jews like me they go, they go they go to the movies on christmas but even like the gentiles go too it's just everyone's around with their family it's like let's go see a movie and that's just not the thing on memorial day so that's i think that's part of the reason it didn't like make a lot of money even in addition to the quality of the movie or the nature of a prequel you know yeah, yeah. all yeah. right i don't know well, that's about that's about all i got yeah we covered a lot here yep Oh, well, uh, th- thanks for coming on, Fred. Appreciate you joining us again. Yeah, not at all. It was a very lively discussion, and I think the first time we actually had major disagreements. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, oh, sorry. I had a good time with that. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's do another one where we all have opinions. <laughs> well, for, for sure, for sure. Like, we, we, I thought we had good discussions on the, the last couple ones you joined us on, but it's definitely, definitely, definitely mixed it up a little bit. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. Um, you want to plug anything? Um... Nothing specific. Uh, follow me um, on Letterboxd if you have an account. Uh, my name is Fred Kolb. Um, I think my username on there is, um, yep, Fred Kolb, actually. So All right. His last name is 
at KLB. Yep. And uh, as usual for my social media, it's Twitter at Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y, and the podcast at 52 in 52 Pod. You can find me at A Clambake, A K L A M B A K E, podcast emails 52 in 52 Pod at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank <laughs> you.